All right, welcome back to the latest episode of the Wedding Capture Co. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Bice, and, and opposite me is... I was jump like, like, like that weird in sync thing we did a couple of episodes ago. But yeah, I'm Tom, and I'm the photographer half, and Chris is the video half of what we do. Yeah, exactly. And it's been around a month since we've last recorded. So um, again, like we, we've been extremely busy. It's been July, middle of wedding season. Absolutely crazy. So there's a lot to, lot to catch up on. How, how have you been? Do you know what? I've had the fear going into this episode. Like, let's be honest, all of you guys have heard the last episode now with the misbehavior of Max, which really, really bothered me. And hopefully it annoyed me more than it came out on the episode um, or less than it came out on the episode, I guess. Um, and also we had a little bit of a saga, didn't we, after we stopped recording. So I'm hoping that kind of all of the drama that we had in the last recording session will be left behind there. And today well, we're going to have a good day. Yeah, the last recording session was... Um we had some bad luck, didn't we, essentially? We, bad luck, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one word to describe it. So we had all the issues, obviously, with the needy dog and the rest of it. And then Chris went to go home. I kind of waved him off from my door like a, like a nan to a child down the street. <laughs> and then noticed that Chris's tyre had a rather large bulge in the side of it. And I was like, yeah, you know, just, just take it slowly home. You'll be fine. And literally the second I slammed the door, I was like... It doesn't no. sit well. There's something telling me that I need to go and change his tire. Like if there's a blowout on the motorway or something, like yeah. this would be bad. So I kind of literally opened the door and luckily you hadn't driven off yet and was like, let's change your tire. So yeah, I had got to get someone else to take me to the shoot the next day because I had like a you know, oh, yes, you had weddings, on. yeah. Um yeah, it was it was yeah, it's definitely an experience. And then but you didn't obviously die. Kate got it changed next day. Didn't die. Luckily, like oh, the traffic was really bad on the way back, so I didn't really need to go fast either with the temporary tire. But um yeah, so that was an interesting recording session. Obviously, we had the max kicking off, then the tire at the end, and it was like, I think we were pretty, pretty done by the end of that. I think yeah. When we, let's be honest about this. I think we yeah. both felt pretty defeated after that. And when we listened to the episode back, I think we're kind of like, oh, like not maybe filled with that super amount of enthusiasm that we had from the others. Been like, oh, we've nailed it, we've nailed it. So hopefully, there was just some good takeaways in there from that. And we're, we're wiping the slate clean. You know, that was the first <laughs> ten. We're into the second ten now, and things are going to get better. Two. And they're only up from here. That is it. Like, yeah, wedding capture code season two begins today. So, um, and we've got I'm really, still really happy with where we've where where we've gone with things. I think it's yeah, you know, for sure. The first ten episodes have been generally exactly what we wanted from it. Um, there's been a couple of learning experiences, but I think like that's that's always going to happen in the first ten. And now we can sort of mature and um, and get better as we go along for the next ten. I agree for sure. Yeah. And I think it's, it's also being mindful for us. Like I know we had that conversation of, oh, it's definitely not our best work and, you know, I'm doing this. But I think we've done the right thing in putting that episode out and hopefully when it goes out tomorrow, isn't it? So we'll go out in real time tomorrow. So you guys would have heard it two weeks ago that with the people, so there will be still some use in there for people and it's still remembering that all of this is a journey and, yeah. you know, the podcasts are out there forever afterwards and people that join us at episode 50 can go back and listen to the other 49 and there hopefully will be takeaways, you know, which kind of transcend the time that they were recorded. So it's just kind of being brave because we edit it and we have the control over whether yeah. it goes out it's it's not you know it's not like a wedding is it where whatever you make on the day like we obviously have weddings that go better than others mm. but you've still got to produce something to and push it. it out at the yeah. end because you can't just go oh no photos are rubbish you're not getting them yeah and it's remembering that with this as well is that not every every recording session every day at the office is going to be we're not going to hit a home run but it is a journey there was still some good stuff in there i enjoyed the recording despite the <laughs> yeah, you know definitely. kind of the interruptions yeah. and, and and the tire drama at the end um and leave it there so yeah i think it is one of those where yeah we've just got to keep sort of trying to improve the small things that happen like we've got the tech sorted now yep. we've we've got like a, a lot of ideas for episodes and going forward we can really sort of start to nail what this podcast is about sort of thing definitely that and i'm really excited about today i actually really enjoyed the first part that we did of this so i'm quite 
happy or quite enjoying of the part to be in the person asking the questions this time rather than <laughs> being in the firing line and the, being the voice of videographers across the nation yeah I um, think it's really interesting the first episode it's actually been one of our least listened to but I think it's been it was really interesting to do in terms of just finding out how like photographers opinions on videographers and the opposite way around as well I just think it it makes a huge difference to know what the other person is thinking without having to rock up to a wedding and being like oh what's this person going to think of me or what's you know what's this photographer sort of what's their opinion on on video and i found it really insightful the things that you picked up on like there was things in there that i like you know that I, maybe some of the questions you asked weren't things that i expected but like there are fairly common problems that kind of or conversations that i had between photographers and videographers on wedding days but they weren't maybe the things that there were other bits that you asked and i thought oh that one caught me off guard so <laughs> yeah, yeah. i'm hoping there's a few of those in there today as well that when it returns to you um so yeah if you haven't caught up with that episode that episode was episode nine it was episode nine. Episode yeah. nine. So we, we, we're labeling it kind of photographers versus videographers, which are kind of, Chris asked me some questions as a videographer to a, vi a photographer, um, kind of the things that assumptions, myths, you know, kind of questions, uh, you know, that kind of pose from one industry to the other. And I'm going to return that back to you today. Yeah. So I've got lots of questions here or assumptions that I've made about video, which you're going to dispel for me or <laughs> tell me are 100% true. Or It's sort of one of those things that, that we wanted to open up the barrier of, you don't want to turn up to a wedding, say hello to a photographer and be like, oh, do you really have to do that? Like, yeah. So rather than that, we're going to discuss those, those things here. There's things that you might not discuss with someone you've just met. Sort yeah, of thing. I think we said in the, in the first episode is that away you're very very naive mm. and as a photographer you are only if you know if you are going to have any length of career in this industry in whatever guys they they, they they're going to end up in going forward whether they're filming in 2d 3d you know however is the video is only become more prevalent at weddings yeah. so there is if you don't adapt and learn to work with videographers you're not going to have a very long you know kind of future in this or yeah. you're going to only end up encountering more problems trying to play nicely with other videographers yeah as the days go on so hopefully by listening to this they can kind of yeah we can kind of just say dispel a new myths maybe you know kind of offer you some kind of etiquette of how it is or ways that you can work to you know play nicely together and hopefully it'll it's one of those where i feel like if a photographer rocks up and hates the fact there's a videographer there either they're going to walk away thinking their photos are rubbish because oh the videographer's done this and so my yeah. photos are or they're going to try and work their way around it and not be happy with the way they've worked around it. But if you rock up knowing that the, the compromises you have to make and things like that and be willing to make them, then you're much better off, I think, you're much more likely to get better shots yeah. out of it and a better experience out and of it. And I think like, without kind of dropping the bombshell at the start before we go into the other stuff, that if there was a big takeaway from this episode and from the previous episode we did, is I think the biggest thing that you can go into any wedding with in terms of photo versus video is that mindset that you're going to have to work with somebody else. Yeah. If you go in and just want to use them as a tool to blame why things didn't go your way, and sometimes that, that, that will happen, that there will be a misline or just a, a happy accident where someone will just end up in frame or yeah. walk through you a, a moment and but don't let yourself get down on that if you go into a mindset of today might not be the same as it would be if i was by myself but i've got i get to work with another creative or collaborate with another creative on this wedding and you have that kind of you put a really positive spin on it rather than the oh, videographers there all they're gonna do is get in my way and be annoying and all this and this yeah is go into it with a really kind of positive attitude of okay, they're going to do their thing. I'm going to do mine. We're going to, you know, we can both help each other out. We can both make something which is better than the sum of our parts. If that's kind of... Yeah, exactly. I think most it. of the time, like if things happen, which are like, oh, why did that person do that? I don't think it's like deliberate anyway. Like I've, there's photographers that I really, really enjoy working with. 
And I know that sometimes I'll be captured like a perfect moment and they'll step in and I'll be like, do you know what? It doesn't really yeah. matter. Like the experience of working with them is great. That moment I passed and whatever that is, what it is. Like you, so in the last episode, we went through uh, the best and worst thing. Yes, we did. Yeah. That a, um, that a videographer had done to you, right? And yeah. you mentioned that the worst thing was that someone had told you they were going to stand at the back of the aisle and then run down and then run in the, the middle of the aisle. I had that happen to me <laughs> a couple of weeks ago with a photographer who me and you both know very well and are very good friends with. <gasps> and I was like, I can't be mad because I enjoy working with that person. But I still like, I didn't get anything. So I was on the back, at the back of a tripod. It was like a celebrant. So I didn't really okay. have time to change yeah. to the, the gimbal. Uh, back of a tripod and he was like yeah don't worry I'll stand at the back too the moment they started coming down he walked in front and I was like oh no and then walked back tripped over the tripod moved it so I was like my camera was facing off towards the guest somewhere and I was like well I've got nothing now but I feel like it's kind of homage to the photographer that did it to you that we spoke about in that episode as well is you should send him that footage of him yeah. in your shot to prove to the error of his ways in the same way that Jimmy spoke about the photographer that yeah. just took lots of photos of, of, of your second shooter oh, yeah, at the bottom true. of the aisle. Yeah. like, look what they well, did. Look what you did. Look to what they did. Yeah. It's like, you ruined it, man. That's it. I picked up the tripod. I ended up like just holding a tripod and walking back with it. And I was I'm not getting... He wasn't in the shot, but I was just getting nothing, like basically. But like I say, like I feel like most of it, it's not like he never did it to spite me. It's just, yeah. it's just I think it's a case of you know on on the moment some things happen where you've got to get in there like for example dance floor when you've got two photographers and two videographers it's impossible like we, it's impossible yeah i think there should be some rule against that because it's just mad i think yeah. it, it gets a bit chaotic and you're especially when there's not many people in the dance floor there's four of you gathered around i was gonna say it's, it's like summer weddings when you know that most people are gonna be outside and yeah. there's like the token couple of kids and probably the bridesmaids on the dance floor i feel sometimes as a lone photographer like a little bit predatory when you're photographing yeah. you know like yeah. you're stood there with your flash like beaming these same people for like that you know half people. a dozen frames but there's four of you doing yeah. the same thing it's and like all getting each other in each other's shot but yeah. because none of you because every one of you needs to get that you're all there sort of thing maybe you make like an unwritten like wedding capital rule that if that happens if if there are more shooters than there are people on the dance floor <laughs> is that someone has to dance that's it that's it it's like you only need one photographer and one video the other two can just dance together and take photos of that instead yeah. that's the rule i think yeah i think that makes a lot of sense yeah it was just the other two are dragging people onto the dance floor. If there's floor, more staff than there are guests on the dance floor <laughs> then tell you i need to leave or boogie yeah that's, 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 that's the rules yeah but yeah no i think that's it like it's it's about um it's it you don't take it personally all the time when someone yeah. does something basically that, that might annoy you but it's, isn't it yeah i think it's very easy to tell once you've been with, around that person for any length of time whether they've done it to be a dick yeah. or, they, or it's a genuine yeah, yeah. accident isn't it and it's yeah. not letting yourself dwell on that or hold it against them or say see or even worse you have to sabotage them later in the yeah. day it's like yeah. you say it's kind of let it go and just kind of you know move on through yeah i feel like very recently i've i've been sabotaged a little i'm not, I'm not complaining about photographers on it too much on this podcast but like it's you know when you can tell that someone's not quite happy that you're doing something yeah. so they'll be like all oh, right so i had a photographer that was not happy in me getting in the couple shoot get involved in the couple shoot at all so every time i went in and directed they stood behind the couple <laughs> and like it got awkward because there's multiple times where i was like can you just and the couple were just like look, looking so over their shoulders like oh my god and like i felt that awkward for the couple because the couple were getting really awkward because i kept having to ask the person to move 
But um, but surely for me, on my, my point of view, all that does is you, they're, the couple are there. They're seeing what's happening. Yeah. And if you have to ask that person repeatedly, the couple can see that they're doing it just to be annoying as well. Yeah, yeah. And like we yeah, think we said, obviously it, see it, yeah. we said in that last episode, ultimately you are both there to make the best product for that couple. Yeah. And if you by doing that makes your video bad, it's not a reflection on you as a videographer. It's on them for just being a dick. That's what it <laughs> yeah. comes down to, really. Yeah, exactly. So what have you got for me then? Oh, I've got I've got many of a list here, so we'll see how much oh. we can get through. But I feel like again, um, there's quite a lot, and it's how much you want to expand on these that we go. So yeah, um, the first point that I raise is if a photographer uses excessive amounts of flash, would or could that affect slash ruin the look of your film? So I think it yes, it can. Excessive amounts of flash can ruin the look of a film. I don't. Um, I'm in a position now, perhaps it's experience and working with lots of photographers or taking the odd, you know, photography job myself that I know when a photographer probably does need to use flash. Yeah. Um, most photographers I work with now use it very sparingly, which I quite like, but there are still some where you rock up and there's two photographers, both with a flash on top of the camera all day. And like a moment such as like cutting the cake, they're just, and it's just go, going absolutely yeah. crazy, right? That's obviously going to ruin the look of it. 99% of the time, okay, 90% of the time, I'm not that bothered. Like if you've got to use flash to get yeah. the, per the, the perfect photo, that's just it. It's, it's it. It was how the day panned out. Because right? as an ignorant person to video, like in the same way you get banding from artificial light, would that be the same for your film? And you will get those kind of those stripes of white where the flashes are going off. Yeah, but it's, it's barely noticeable to be honest. Okay. Like it's a, it's, it'll be like a frame maybe or like, okay. a, like a couple of frames. But the difficulty comes in, like, again, like if you've got, a, I don't like the kind of the cake shot anyway, so I don't know why I'm using this as an example, <laughs> but um, it's just from memory, that's a shot that like some photographers like like to use a lot of flash on. And it like, you just see it all kicking off on the walls for things like, um, it can affect things like stabilization. So if your shot's a little bit shaky and you're trying to stabilize it with flash, for some reason it really like okay. makes it go wonky. Um, and then also where you put your cut as well. So if you cut, the video straight after a flash, it looks like you've tried to do like a transition or something and really okay, failed. Oh, because it. it's gone really bright. Out of, yeah, because yeah, it's gone different. really bright yeah. for, a, for like a split second and it can look weird. So you kind of have to cut it in a different place. But I think while it can ruin the look, I, I don't think any videographer should be complaining about flashes. And because it, it, as long as as long as it's a necessity, it might be just, just their style and saying you have I to work around. That it. was some of it as well. Obviously, I know that we've had, you know, a conversation in the last episode where you were finding that you're being booked with a lot more kind of editorial photographers. Yeah. And as much as that kind of like black and white and blurry is part of their look, direct flash during portraits for them, yeah. even some of it outdoors as well, I've seen is becoming quite a look with that kind of editorial yeah. feel. Like personally, I only use my, my flash pretty much for cake cutting and dancing. So once it, you are kind of into the real dark, dark end of the day, mm. that was when the flash would go on. The rest of the time it sat in my bag under the table. That's so a good point. I've had a couple recently where they've used like direct flash for the couple shoot. And I find that I will shoot in a hundred frames. So then all I need is like a second between that, those flashes to get four seconds of footage, right? So I've had to work work around that because I, I definitely don't want to flash during the couple shoot. Like, yeah. I don't know about any other videographers, but for me, that's just like something that is quite, you know, you have the yeah. ability to set that up. So why are you going to include footage with flashes in it, basically? I think it's like you were saying as well, like Kate Cut's a great example of the dance floor. There are other lights flashing because of the DJ lights or the band lights yeah. or whatever. Or you would expect at that end of the day there to be some sort of artificial lighting yeah. kind of going off. Or but, even to an extent, the speeches. Like yeah. sometimes it can be a dark room and I'd be like, yeah, you've probably got to use flash here. I don't blame you at all. So you kind of expect that to go off because you can see that it's a dark room. But to be in a field at two in the afternoon yeah. and someone's yeah. here beaming you, like it would 
would look more jarring, I think, at that time of day yeah. than it would do, say, in the evening. And that was kind of one, that was one of the, the reasons I added that in, is obviously I, I'm aware that I only use flash at that end of the day, but now it's becoming more common or a look or a trend of this year. Yeah. I wondered where that would fit in. I um, think it's a huge problem. I've, I've definitely seen people complaining about it, but I, I don't think it ruins the story. So um, I, I guess is there a conversation to be had in the same way that we were saying that, you know, when you do an aisle walk or a confetti shot, you go, this. If, you, if you say to a photographer doing a copy shoot, look, if you're going to use the direct flash, can you just not just spray and pray? Can you just make sure you're taking, have a couple of just, just give break, me a couple yeah. of seconds in between yeah, exactly. a walking shot so that I stand some chance of getting something usable from 100%, that. Yeah. I mean, some photographers literally come to me and be like, oh, do you mind if I use flash? And like, in, in a way, like that's probably the nicest thing you can do Yeah, is, is be considerate. But I always say, like, just crack on because you're going to need it, basically. Like, it was quite unique because I, yeah, I always thought that that was a far bigger issue than you've made it out to be today. Yeah. So something that I was like, like oh, I'm sorry, I'm using my flash, but it's kind of dark. Where, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you can, I know that you can rock at 50th of a second to get thing where yeah. I, if I shot something at 50th of a second, I would be inadvertently editorial <laughs> and blurry, you know. So it's, but it works both ways as well. So, like, I'll set up lights in the evening um, on the dance floor. Um, but recently someone was like, can you not? And I was like, well, it's a really dark dance yeah. floor like it, they, they DJ had no lights whatever so it was going to be pretty much dark if not but they had their flashes on their cameras I was like but yeah, just but if you off, need yeah. your flashes I need my lights exactly that's just yeah, the way same thing it is that working together I guess it. isn't it yeah so okay so the next point I've got which is um, so with AI editing becoming more and more prevalent in photography do you feel that photographers have it easier than videographers in this respect yes <laughs> I, feel, I feel like there's always been a thing um, I don't want to speak for all videographers but I feel like most videographers feel the same way is that photographers have it a lot easier after the wedding in the editing process um, and I feel like that's always been a thing even before AI um, in terms of our perspective that is it might yeah. not be the case but in terms of our perspective that's always been a thing before AI people like videographers have po posted in groups like oh um, I wish I was a photographer so I could get this shoot done it like edit yeah. done in four hours or whatever um, but I think now AI is here it the the gap has definitely widened in in a way that also i mean the if when you look at sort of um photography and videography and how much uh you can get away with charging i feel like it's yeah. pretty similar but i feel like there's now a lot less hours involved in the post-production process of photos i would say that's true yeah yeah okay um and mo yeah most photographers i speak to are like yeah i'll don't envy you having to go home and edit this when I can just, even the ones that don't use yeah. AI will, will be like, yeah, don't envy you having to do this when I can just go through call and edit in like a day, maybe less. Yeah, well, interestingly, I I, um, I used um, AI sparingly over the last couple of years with the busier seasons. And then this year was kind of like, I've had a slight shift in my editing style. So the first kind of 10-ish weddings of the year that I did, I edited them without AI to kind of really hone in that new style because yeah. in order if you don't use um, Imagine or Aftershoot or whatever you need to give it a bank of edited images to learn from mm -hmm. of somewhere around 5,000 images so I wanted to make sure that I had 5,000 images I was really happy with that I could feed it yeah. to then make a more updated version of my preset Your to give preset, it yeah. so I did that and now that my editing part was starting to, to creep up bigger than I wanted to stuff was hitting deadline that I maybe hadn't gotten to where I needed it to be I was like, you know, literally open the cupboards, like, you know, like hit the hit the panic button on my desk and and imagine came to the rescue. And in the last three days, I've managed to edit three weddings. Cull it in the morning, AI yeah. over lunch, edit it in the afternoon, it exports, you know, when, I, when I'm walking the dog. So yeah. that's three weddings in three days. I've so to good, do. isn't it? Yeah. Do you feel, and that's do you feel happy with that? Yes. It's going off topic. Um, yeah, yeah, going into now that I've relearned I found it a lot more hit and miss last year, yeah. but I think there's been a couple of updates to imagine along the way, okay. which have made it better. 
Um, and or maybe I'm just more happy with the preset that I'm using. So I've fed it a much more consistent group of images to learn from that I found that whilst I still go through and have to tweak every image, yeah. it is only tweaking. It's not kind of changing the direction of like, it's got me a lot near, nearer to where I need to be in that of course, within yeah, yeah. sort of two, two and a half hours, I could crank, I could get through eight or 900 images. It saves you time regardless, right? That's, like, That's insane, um, right? Eight, eight, eight to 900 images of... in two and a half hours yeah. where normally I used to work at about 100 to 120 images an hour. Yeah. So if, any like time-saving yeah. measure is then like making you more money essentially. Exactly, yeah. So there would yeah. be an argument if you had that as a permanent addition to your workflow that you maybe had an argument that you would you would be able to get out and shoot more yeah. knowing that you've got the robot at home doing the editing for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think I've always kind of felt, and maybe this is a wrong kind of myth that you can bust as well, is that I've always kind of had this opinion that a photographer's work is done on the day and they have an easier time in the edit yeah. where the photographer, the videographer, their work is done in the edit. In the edit. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think, yeah, the photographer sort of has to shoot for the edit, whereas a videographer can just shoot whatever is happening and then try and piece it all together into a story in the edit. Yeah, yeah I, I do agree with that. Um, but that I think that t- taking it back to the other side is that that w- widens the gap in the time spent so that we can make probably less money per day than Go photographers can hour. now yeah. or per hour because of the whole AI editing thing and because we don't have anything like that really um, to help us through. But at the same time, um, could that lower the talent barrier for photography? Because there's there's already a massive saturation because of cameras becoming so easily accessible, like really good cameras are now really cheap. And so you've got like thousands and thousands of photographers and not as many videographers. It's becoming more popular for sure, but not as many. Oh, they're now going to be a load of photographers coming in just because they can edit for, with AI and it's, it's like a nice lazy job for them, basically. I, I agree. I think with, with every advent of new technology, you know, there was a lot of people out there that were shooting wedding, you know, photographing weddings on medium format cameras and it was a real craft. And then the, the you know, the advent of digital photography kind of, that was the first point of, oh, anyone can pick up a camera now, let's yeah. say stick it in P for professional and, <laughs> and go and shoot a wedding. And I think to a degree, that is more possible than ever now, you know, especially when a lot of these AI companies offer pre-built in kind of profiles. So you've not even got to particularly build your own style. If you don't want to, you yeah. could literally just borrow one of their, from scratch, their, yeah. their profiles they have, and then kind of tweak that along the way that you could be using no tools. But, and again, maybe it isn't a principle thing that I believe that no, you should build that foundation, build your style before you, you know, the, so you are feeding something authentic, but yeah. would 99% of your couples know that, oh, that's the pre-saved profile on, on Imagine? Yeah, exactly. As long as their photos are nice and they're of them, they, yeah. they wouldn't mind. So maybe there there is that to it. Yeah. Um, but I always think in the end that, you know, kind of talent and experience and the rest of it will always kind of come through. And that kind of is, is more where my price point is reflected in the fact oh, yeah, that I have been doing yeah. this as long and have seen most weddings and most things go wrong at weddings and most weather types and have learned to deal with it rather than going, I can make a pretty gallery because 100%. it's edited by AI. I feel like, like you say, the money from photography comes on the day, whereas the money from videography comes in the editing. That's, yeah. that's my opinion with it. I think like with photography, you obviously have a shorter editing and probably someone could take some really naff photos and use their own presets and stuff yeah. and probably make them a little bit better afterwards but with the video like if you've not ma- if you've not made that story in the edit and then that's that's the sort of what it all comes down yeah. to is the edit and then the vibe from that i just want to mention as well expectations yeah. and how ai has changed expectations i got an email last week from a couple i filmed um a month ago or just maybe five weeks ago something like that, five six weeks and it's um i shot that wedding with a photographer 
that me and you both know and that he uses AI. And they, they, the email just said, oh, we've got our photos from our photographer. Uh, where's our video, basically? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, mate, I know this person yeah. who uses AI and like can smash them out very, very quickly. Yeah. And so I, like my response was, as it normally is, just like, you know, video takes a little bit longer. We've got a bit yeah. of a queue. That's what it is. Like we've got the tracker. So it refers to the tracker and whatever. But I feel like now photographers are able to maybe deliver a little bit quicker not not all because someone use AI, but yeah. I feel like there's going to be an expectation that video delivers quicker as well, which I'm already seeing this year. And I think as a photographer, we need to learn that or use that as an opportunity that I know that I've maybe edited or now have the ability to edit weddings before deadline is that they could have them sat in the online gallery and still just schedule that send. And yeah. I think that you need to wait, you know, like I know a lot of photographers offer a kind of a express edit and charge for that as well, which... Not gonna lie, something that I'm gonna look at now. Oh, I've yeah. got the ability to turn a wedding around in seven days. Someone wants to pay me five hundred pounds to do that. Yeah, I will. But yeah. at the same time, I think to have. I find when I edit a wedding, it's sometimes it's almost nice to wait three weeks to edit it because you forget anything that you kind of any thoughts you had about the day or kind of like we were saying with the podcast last time. If there was any kind of bad like or things that you felt kind of were really bugged you on the day. You've forgotten about them by the time you go to edit it, and you yeah. just see that the photos that you've taken or the video you've made for what it is. So sometimes if you deliver someone's photos. 10 days after their wedding, they still got certain memories about the day that they're like, and they're looking for those bits. They're not almost using the photo or the video to relive their wedding. Yeah, exactly. So even if I edited it quicker, I think I would still have it sat on a schedule send to go out at four to six weeks like yeah. later rather than rush to get out early to make myself like, oh, I've delivered your wedding super quickly. I think I was chatting to that photographer about the same thing. Uh, I think it's perceived quality. Yeah. If someone gets their whole album the day after, it's like, oh, what they've rushed that yeah well how much have I paid you to do not a lot of work to it where they don't know that you've not been working on their gallery solidly for the past six weeks but because it's taken that long again it's a reflection of how busy you are the time that it's taken and I think sometimes my couples really kind of value or overvalue that sometimes like you know you get the oh just wondering yeah I know you're super busy but and they're kind of you know like and I think sometimes that you can use your socials to perceive how busy you are they can they know that it's summer and it's wedding season if you like and all of those things so I think yeah it's interesting yeah so yeah I do think that um, there's a perception that photographers have it easier but only during the editing period I'd say okay. and also I'd love to sit down and like edit with the radio on the TV or something <laughs> you always, can't do always it. hands on <laughs> yeah. listen to audio so I feel like one of the points that we brought up in there about kind of photographers having it easier and entry levels feeds into my next point pretty well so this one says I feel like Uncle Bob types only ever want to take photos and never video so you don't really have to compete with guests taking video like photographers do yeah. therefore what you do is more valued in some ways that because you're the videographer do you know what I mean like there's okay I, I yeah okay when I read this I sort of saw it differently but yeah. I so you're talking about because those people will be sending the couple their photos as yeah. well and whilst you're, you're always going to get you know kind of the friend or the people wandering around or nan with the ipad or whatever yeah. taking some video clips of the confetti or stills i'm talking about like an uncle bob type rocking up with his you know his his, his, his fancy nikon slr and his 70s 200 who's going to sit yeah. four rows back and yeah it's going to take again like we were saying take all these photos of the couple and because it that's his one camera outing of the week edits them all the next day and sends them to the sends the gallery to the couple on the monday yeah going oh look what i've made for you yeah Okay. Would you get an Uncle Bob who rocks up with an A7S3 and starts panning around <laughs> and, doing, and doing that? No, you don't. You really don't get that. And I do agree, actually, that actually it probably, because, again, the barrier of entry is a bit higher, like you, in order to make videos of the quality we would make as an Uncle Bob, you would need like 
probably a gimbal and you'd need to get in certain positions you couldn't just mm. like sit four rows back and do something because you probably wouldn't get that much yeah. as a guest to be honest so i guess you'd need to, to put more effort in to to make a good like actual video out of it so yeah well, I, I guess we don't have to compete in that way it doesn't I guess it makes it look a bit more premium having a video because it, people can't replicate it yeah. who are not being paid for it, like just random guests. Um, I've noticed a lot more recently, um, I'd say probably three or four weddings I've had where they've had someone recording the speeches on their phone so they can get it earlier, which is okay. interesting. Maybe that's something I can look into as an, expedite, as, as an extra yeah. product or something. Um, but you know, sometimes they'll just record it just because it's a guest. Sometimes they'll yeah. be like, "Oh, the, the bride and groom have asked me to record it on my phone so that I can send it, so that I can send it to him before you guys do because it's a bit of a wait or whatever." And it kind of makes me think, "Oh, okay, so that that's coming in sort of thing." Yeah. Um, and then I also worked at one where there was literally a guest following us around the whole day. I think she'd been instructed to do so. Um, a little bit offensive. They called her the, the backup photographer and videographer. So wow. she was taking stuff on her phone and video. So essentially like, like these content creator types that we're seeing yeah, coming yeah. into the industry now. But, so she was yeah. acting like that, but I don't think she was actually one of those. But they called her the backup. So I was like, right, okay. Um, so you think but, I'm going to lose your phone? Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. But I think what it actually meant is we want stuff earlier than what you guys can give it to us. Um, yeah. Which I think is fair enough because like we, we were saying we really appreciated our photos from our guests. So, but I guess like we were saying, that, you know, in, in terms of that last point with the express edit, if maybe there is a way that you could have a thing where, again, maybe it, you know, you come home literally, you can chuck that in a timeline, chuck a lot over the top, and and get it out, so it is available within literally just the speeches or yeah. just ceremony speeches are available online in their vid flow first then the highlight comes later or something that's the kind of yeah. the bit they're looking for or even they're just they're, they're particularly looking for just for the audio yeah. if you can go do you know what i'll send you an mp3 of all the speeches tomorrow yeah yeah exactly i think that's even not, just talking that over i've not thought about that until i just said it talking Neither that I, over, until it's kind of <laughs> we were linking back to like the express edit thing yeah um and that links to a point later as well about talking about after sales and stuff okay. so well i've always no that's my that's my train <laughs> of thought um Oh, I've always sent the ceremony and speeches at the very end of the process. Okay. Selfishly, because I don't want them coming back to me and being like, we want one minute 27 to one minute 37 from the speeches in our film. We want this bit from this speeches in our film. So instead, I send them the film and then the long film, and then they get the speeches afterwards so that they can't nitpick bits out of the speeches to put in the film. Because even though, like that's a nice personal touch. They've got a little bit of control over yeah. their film and stuff. I do feel like they obviously don't know how video works. And so every time I've, I've, I've had that recently from a couple who asked me to, that they got their speeches afterwards and it's like, oh, actually we'd like to change this uh, from in the main film to this, this and this. And it, the film didn't make sense after I yeah. had delivered it. They, I don't want to be specific about it, but there was a bit at the end of the film, which was just like a few words and it shouldn't, it just didn't make sense in that film. There was like two minutes of dancing and then in the middle there was just like, um, oh, it's so nice to be able to say a few words and then it went back to dancing again and I, and that was the end of the film and I was like, mm, why do you want that in there? I did it for them, but I don't yeah. understand. But, like, but then also when they hire you, they should entrust your integrity as a filmmaker. It's like, you know, watching a movie and go, like, you know, when you go and watch movies in cinema and, maybe, and they're re-scored by people. Yeah. It can change the whole dynamic of a scene, can't it, by just having a different piece of music there and, yeah. and I guess you can use the words in those speeches to curate what they're seeing on the screen 100%. in yeah. a different way that we can as a photographer. You just give them photos and how they choose to consume it is up yeah. to them but and i'm very specific specific about that as well like we 
like I can change the order of things sometimes if like it doesn't quite work out or I can cut out a sentence if I'm like oh that's not great or like for a reading I don't necessarily force myself to use the whole reading I'll cut bits out of it so it's just um yes yeah, it is more of a control thing and it's not it's not a contract we tell people we tell people straight up front like yeah like we do all of the creative control elements basically but it's all of that they're paying for as well it's, yeah it's not just you know they're not just paying for a camera operator on the day either they're they, they're paying for your skills and vision in the edit to deliver them that film rather than and use elements of it like I say yeah, once exactly. once they kind of get involved in that in that aspect of it whilst yeah. it's them in there they should entrust you with the, you know yeah exactly yeah. your skill that you've picked the best thing of it and i guess that's it if you do deliver the speed of that first they know what's there and i think with any kind of delivery of an image to get that wow factor the element of kind of surprise and sentiment is huge and if that's yeah. lost over a quick buck in the express edit or whatever it's yeah how much do you want to challenge the integrity of your delivery be interesting to see how much that changes i'll probably try it give it a trial period and see what people say like see if anyone does come back and be like oh can you make sure you include this bit or whatever because obviously it just makes the edit more constrained yeah um which can be good because sometimes restrictions are good but also it can be like oh why do you want that in your film like that's not gonna look good but i guess the same arguments we had then is if if you know their mate was sat in on table number three and filmed the speeches anyway that they've watched that off yeah. their mate's yeah, phone that's a good point. they could come to you yeah. and go well i've seen the speeches i know that i, I remember yeah. dad saying this why can't we have that and they yeah. whether they've seen your cut or they've seen yeah, yeah. their mate's cut the, the words are the same aren't good they point. so you'd think yeah. if the level of control was there it would yeah, move across. No, no. Anyway, I feel like we could talk about this forever, so yeah, we yeah, keep yeah. moving on. And again, I feel like each point raises something which kind of moves on to the next one. So my next point says, in this content creation age, does it annoy you when photographers film their own clips and post that before your trailer is even released? Have you seen this before? Because I have no, I don't think I've seen this before. Are you talking about what what sort of clips are you talking about? So if I was to, to go to a wedding, we shot a wedding together, yeah. and I, say, made a reel or something like that with some video footage I took yeah. on either my phone or on my camera and made a small reel or even a highlight film. Uh, see, I haven't seen it done in a way that I think you're thinking about. So if it was like a reel as in like, oh, here's some BTS of me in the day and then like some shots yeah. of you as a photographer, like walking in with your camera and stuff like that, then it doesn't, that wouldn't bother me at all because it's more of a, like a marketing thing. Yeah. If you got your Sony out, started taking little clips of like, oh, here's a click, quick clip of the venue, here's a quick clip of some flowers. Oh, while I'm getting you by the window of your dress, I'll get a quick video clip as well. Then I'd start to raise Which I know photographers are starting to do. Oh, okay. And then offer that as an upsell. Yeah. You know, mainly again, two couples that don't have videographers that I can, you know, again, I can take this footage whilst I'm shooting anyway. Yeah. No audio, but again, chuck it all together into a five minute highlight video, some royalty free music over the top. This is your like second rate video. Yeah. And I do just, that. If someone did that alongside you making a video and then posted it while you're still in the editing room. So I have in my contract that the photographer shouldn't be taking videos on that. Okay. Like shouldn't yeah. be making a video, essentially. Yeah. And who knows, like they you know, they might be doing that without me knowing. So so that, yeah. that you crack on, but I haven't seen anyone yet, a photographer that like post on Instagram a video before I do. I, like I know this comes down to it's so hypocritical because like Again, it comes down to the screenshots and uh, like I post yeah. and that's that kind of thing. But if I haven't done the highlights film and I, I saw a photographer post like a trailer from someone's wedding, I, yeah, I'd be I'd be pretty ticked off, I reckon. 
And I think it becomes yeah. a very difficult thing. That, like what I was saying, we spoke when we did the screenshots thing is, because if I did that, I don't, by the way, I, I have enough trouble, or enough of my focus is to going into making a, the best gallery I can for my couples. I barely have time to remember to get my phone out of my pocket to take <laughs> some BTS, yeah, let yeah. alone begin to start cutting clips phone, together I as, I as well. I wouldn't worry too much. But yeah, like there's yeah, yeah, less so different to a guest as it being yeah. around. But no. for me to say, just start to take clips, you know, in kind of with that control and depth of field and stuff that I had from a yeah. camera, I could see that would would be annoying, or even worse, me post a highlight and go, "Oh, actual film's coming from this guy." That kind of is <laughs> yeah. even more difficult because it kind of highlights that fact. But then, if I didn't credit you and made it anyway, you know, there's is is loads of things like we yeah. said with the screenshots. I, I said I didn't have a problem with it as long as you were very clear that they were just screenshots from a film. So yeah. just, I'm not trying to do them down just screenshots, but there's not that level of kind of curation over them or control. The is that yeah. there is yeah, yeah, and are great to work with you. I think that's yeah, that's the same. So yeah. No, yeah, luckily I've not had that. I, I do think, um, again, this might be a selfish thing. I do think if that started to be a regular thing, I would make the expectation to couples that the photographer shouldn't be doing the other weddings I'm at personally, just because I don't like, that is very important to me having that like marketing of I'm putting up the trailer on Instagram um, that, you know, their, their guests and the couple are seeing, seeing that video first, well, not the couple, the couple have already seen it, but their yeah. guests and that are seeing that video first when they're sharing it from our Instagram and things like Always that. Always very so. clear that you were the videographer on that day. That if, yeah. You know, so if I put out a not so great trailer before and people at the day were like, oh, I saw that video guy wandering around. Like, he seemed yeah. really nice. He's made that. Like, oh, that doesn't line up to what I thought he was going to get. Yeah. There's not even like the sound of the, like, the voice over top. They could think that was your work when it wasn't or it I becomes be right kind of quite rubbish, rubbish, isn't it? Because, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. They if could just assume rubbish, that it was me sharing your film. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think all that we worked for the same company if it was good then it'd be worse because you know I know some photographers that do some really good video work and if they for example if I worked with them and then they did their own little trailer and I did my trailer if it was good it'd probably be worse because if it was good and a very different style to mine they've now got two different styles who do we believe yeah yeah, what was they actually like yeah Yeah. and if it was good and a similar style to mine then it's really stepping on toes and isn't it that's really hard to it's really hard to answer that because I've not had it yet but we'll see it'd be interesting to see if it does become a problem with more I would like to think that the photographers that are off in it I would be respectful don't see the, the point in doing it if or hopefully they're charging for it so that the couple would turn around and say, well, I'm not going to pay you an extra this much to make this highlight film because we've already paid a videographer. But I think there's only a matter of time before it happens somewhere. And if you can see how that kind of gets... Like like I said, the reverse is already happening with screenshots. So there's got to be a compromise there somewhere of, oh, once I've posted my trailer, feel free to post any little random clips you got throughout the day sort of thing. Because I always wait till the photographer's posted their previews or, or sent their previews. Not necessarily <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask, I say most photographers I'll ask oh did, you know have you sent the previews yet once you sent the previews then I'll be like screenshots got I feel like previews in themselves though have only become really prevalent like in the last probably since COVID yeah. like most again or as people were doing volume you know gallery weights were getting longer so to offer that kind of sneak prequel kind of preview thing like I know like I'm far from a kind of a pioneer but I know that maybe because I came from a music background and they wanted everything now yeah. I kind of whilst I was backing up would always send some the next day mainly as a marketing employee so that when the couple did their like thank you on Facebook they'd post one of my photos yeah. rather than just yeah. borrow their mates like iPhone photo until I delivered the gallery a month later yeah. so but I think now kind of that's become expected or the standard in photography particularly that you deliver whether it's you know the day after or the week after whatever they do get some form of kind of preview of their gallery 100% and this is saying I want to do a little dive into in the next episode okay. so a little sneak preview the next episode is going to be about dealing with like backlog yep. um, and burnout and that it's kind that of thing. It's that time of year, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's that time of year. Um, 
And I want to talk about, so, so similar to previews is that videographers start doing trailers, yeah. um, but giving themselves like a week or two to do them. Um, I personally don't do that because I think that would stress me the hell out. So I don't do that. Um, but yeah, we'll get into that in the next episode. But I think that's a, the equivalent is us doing a trailer. Um, and I found that couples, when I was at the beginning of the year and I was doing them pretty quickly after the wedding, yeah. couples appreciated them a lot more. And the longer it takes, the less sort of appreciation message you get back because yeah. people are like done with the wedding and they've already seen a load of content from it. Some other videos not, or trailers not yeah, adding it's much. It's not the impact that yeah, it has yeah, exactly. the, the, the morning after. It's interesting. So next point, mine says, as usually <laughs> you need to give more, give the couple more direction on the portrait shoot than the photographer does. Do you think you should just lead it? So and I'm aware this is coming from a photographer that does yeah. very little posing and offers very <laughs> yeah, yeah. little direction to their couples. So I know that when we've shot together, you've normally had far more opinions, yeah. direction needed to go. Can you just stand and do that? Or I'm like, let's go for a walk and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know maybe I'm not, I'm not the kind of the standard for photographers across the UK, but for in my experience, a videographer would always need to offer more direction than I would give. So I'd be happy for you to take more of a lead yeah. in that respect. See, with you, you're, you do like to smash it out right so there'll be like five minutes like maybe 10 of just like oh quick walk up here walk down there quick turn around and face boom 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 you're done right yeah and that's why i feel like you need more that's why i feel like you feel like i need more direction because i'm then being like right i need to like space and time for this yeah. like to happen sort of thing or for things to play out whether we need more direction or not is going to depend on the couple like how natural they are um with each other and also the photographer and the sort of poses they're doing um, or whether they're shooting 24 mil and up in people's grill, right? Yeah. So if the photographer's doing like look at the, a lot of look at the camera poses or poses where like, I don't know, the groom stood over here and the bride stood somewhere completely different looking at here, like that just stuff just for me doesn't work and I don't think the video works that Does it work for work. anybody? Yeah, like surely so. the whole point of a wedding <laughs> is about binding two or having yeah. two people to be together. I've never understood that. For me, there now was to be a level of connection yeah. in couple photos. So I always want them to be touching just, each other. Yeah, like, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and I, I do agree with that. Um, so yeah, how much involvement does depend on the couple and the photographer? Um, I think, I, I, I wouldn't agree that if you had the same style, then the videographer would need more input. I think a photographer would need a lot more input because like maybe the dress has to be perfectly swished and like the, the pose has to be perfect. It can't, they can't be like mid movement or something. So there needs to be a bit more input in terms of photography with video. It can be a bit more just natural, like, oh, maybe the yeah. dress isn't perfect, but she's just walked over here or something like that. So I think, with video, I can just be like, have a chat and do the whole thing. Again, so moving over to the photographer, if the, if the photographer is shooting on a 24 mil and I'm on a 50 and they're right up in people's grill, I'm going to need to do something. I have extra to get them out of the way, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, it does It does depend on the photographer. It does depend on the couple. Um, while I like the idea of having full control over the couple shoot, I think that would then... Um, lead to completely the opposite happening and the photographers feeling like they need more input so i, I don't feel like videographers should 100 direct for for that reason is that like if, if videographers directed all the time you wouldn't get a lot of these like cool editorial shots that people don't you just yeah. wouldn't get any of that because there'd be so much movement happening that you wouldn't get like that perfect frame pretty much ever because it was all be so sort of movement and like yeah. documentary style if you know what i mean so I, I do feel like there's a balance to be struck between how much 
the videographer directs and how much the photographer directs. So I guess maybe as a point B to that, rather than move on to a next thing, is the idea of someone being a lead mm-hmm. rubbish. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had it before where I've had to work with videographers and they've gone, oh, can you just ask the couple to do this so I can get that? And I'm like, you're stood next to me, they're stood there. Yeah. They're your couple as well. You freaking ask them. You don't yeah, have to ask my permission to ask them. <laughs> that's if you because want, everyone thinks that. If you want to do something, ask yeah. them. It's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. you're not asking the teacher if you can go to the toilet. Are oh, you like, please, miss. Okay. <laughs> it's like, if you want that couple to do something for your film, which they've hired you to make, yeah. ask them. Yeah. Like, I don't decide, I think maybe that we should kind of break down this stigma that, oh, the photographer's the teacher, or, you know, that you should always ask, that, or they should lead. Like, I always said that we are there. I'm there to take still pictures you're there to take video but we're still hired to the same job so that idea that like, and we spoke about this in, in the last episode that there should be you know office videographers are so far down the list of importance or this and that it's like we are both there to do the same job yeah so when we go out it shouldn't be a oh who wants to lead this it's like if we again same way that you manage a, a confetti walk and our walk and work together on it if i go well we roughly walk in this square loop we'll get a walking shot there we'll stop there we'll stop there yeah along that way if you need to jump in and do whatever you should feel comfortable to go we'll do this or actually i want to go to that spot because that works for me yeah it should always in that point it should, i don't think there should be a lead as such no i do agree i've literally put that in my notes i put we should normalize a method of having it basically 50 50 yes that's it i'm gonna bang the table and really upset the thing but that's it like the idea of someone being a lead and the other one being a follow yeah. is rubbish it's bogus it shouldn't happen you're both there together both get what you need both have fun but again generally it's expected that the photographer directs and i don't think but why it's not expected from our point of view well it is expected from our point of view but at the same time most of my couple shoots go like this the photographer goes i'm going to do my couple shoot now do you want to come so I so I come along like sort of and they're, they're already sort of oh yeah we're going to do this we're going to go here we're going to go there so I haven't had any input in locations this is how probably 90% of couple shoots go for a videographer we've had no input in locations they're just taking the couple off already that, and like they've decided the time and stuff and then they'll start posing the couple and stuff and then for me I sort of set the expectation beforehand that like if you do a pose or a location don't break them up until I've had a little yeah a little go Half the time they they'll they'll go along with that and be like, okay, do you, do you need to get your bits now? Half the time they'll completely forget and crack on and move to the next spot. If I've got enough, I'll be like, that's fine, whatever. I'll, I'll take that. If not, then I'll be like, oh, actually, guys, can you come back here, sort of thing. So I'm not afraid to step in and 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 do all that. But there is that there is that photographers naturally take the lead whether that's because they work a lot of weddings about videographers maybe that's the, the yeah the idea that that's maybe a bigger point than i think i always took it from what well, photographers were here first do you know what i mean though? yeah but yeah. that that's not that's not a reason as to why it should be that way and i no. think sometimes weddings as a whole are stuck in things of well we do this because that's what the people before us did yeah and it's like we should learn from where we are now yeah. And for me, like my photos maybe carry a slightly different weight to your video, but they still carry weight. People are, they're still there to do the same, same thing. thing. It's yeah, to document exactly. that day yeah. and provide yeah. people with memories going forward. So why should I have any more? Or you could like say, you could be going to shoot a video at a wedding with a really, really new photographer. Yeah. And they could take some of the rubbish places or take ages to do yeah. stuff where you could yeah. actually be much more of a positive influence on them if they're taking the couple out at, you know, five straight after dinner in a, a summer wedding when you know if you wait till eight when it's sunset, it'd be better. But they're going, oh, I don't know that. Yeah. And so yeah, they, yeah. you know, there's, there's, it's not always, it shouldn't always be about, oh, well, you're a videographer so you just fall in where you could find that you are so much more experienced or so much more knowledgeable or, you, or the photographer could learn some from you. And that does happen. I mean, you know, I turn up to weddings and it's clear the photographer is, is pretty new and still is like, you know, I'm going to take the couple here, here and here. Are you coming? Basically. And <laughs> it's, well, okay, if you go in there, <laughs> not a chance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'd be like, oh, you know, can we, can we just do like a bit here? But that, I sh- 
like you, like you say, it should be a case of not can we? We are yeah. doing it because we're both fifty. But it, it shouldn't. It's but not that way. The then. stigma of that shouldn't think. make you look like a dick to ask that. Yeah. It should be a no-brainer to go. Well, okay, yeah, let's do it. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Or, or where do you want to go? Or where do you think we should go? Yeah, yeah. And it should always be compromised. I don't understand that. Say like, this idea of a lead, which and, and the fact that it's kind of it's just generational. I don't think it's. Yeah. I say there are there are definitely are photographers out there, and, and most of the photographers I work with now I know or I've worked before and things like that because they recommend me or we take jobs specifically because they're they're the photographer on them, and most of them because I know them will then have have that conversation before of like oh where do you want to go oh where do you fancy going and that is how it should be I think is like you have a chat beforehand like how long have we got what time are we going to do it what time is good for you what time is good for you whereas I think until very recently it has been a case of I'm the photographer I'm going to decide the couple shoot and where we go and are you coming sort of thing um, but I do think that's changing gradually and, and, I think, and like we've said before people have likened this podcast to that chat over dinner that video and photo photographers have then one it's a perfect time to talk about it going oh yeah Sunset's looking about this looks like we might get one tonight yeah, yeah. and even take you take 10 minutes and just go for a little wander to yeah. where you want to go and oh we could do this do that you've done your little recce because any sort of their weight should roughly have an idea or going to have a little yeah, look yeah. anyway yeah. is why that can't be a conversation why there's literally nothing else to do I don't know but anyway I feel like we've put that, that to rights definitely now um, yeah so this this one I've written out. as a photographer I sometimes feel particularly during ceremony speeches that I'm quite limited by my angles as there are so many damn cameras set up during those bits and it's hard to either not be in shot or in the way of that shot so I think I'm always and I know you said in the past obviously if you've, if you've got four cameras up there's no chance that I'm not going to be in one of them yeah. but I still think as a photographer I still feel like oh, I'm going to stand in the way of that camera <laughs> so it kind of it feels that kind of like stigma thing so should we just get over ourselves and not worry about standing in front of your camera or would that just give a green light to photographers to just be a dick and stand in front of people's cameras this is really hard because I mean I think there is an expectation now for videographers to use maybe three camera for ceremony in the speeches and you've got to understand the photographers have got to understand that tripods are an essential in doing that yeah there's gonna be like if we're talking about in your shot there's gonna be tripods in the ceremony area and in the speech yeah. area and that is under trust me i wish i didn't have to capture the whole ceremony in the speech. Yeah. i really i really do uh, especially in three angles i wish i could just set up one camera and just put it on the speaker and job done but i don't believe that's the best way of doing things so i'm not gonna do it so i've had a lot of people um photographers recently who i've like spoken to in the morning and they go oh the other day i was working with this videographer and they put three three cameras up during the ceremony and i have to go like yeah i'm, I'm about to do the same i'm sorry but yeah that's just the way it sort of has to be so one i think in the nice possible way deal with it it's going to yep. be it's going to be there like for the foreseeable future we're going to have like tripod course, yeah. cameras set up two like you say it, we always say to the photographer um we have three cameras set up usually there's two of us manning one of them each yeah, yeah. so if you're getting if you're walking past one or if you if you're in the shot of one in the not not like right up against the lens, yeah. but in the shot of one, it really doesn't matter that much. You're the photographer. You're a part of the day. Like we've the photographer is pretty much in every single ceremony, like yeah. uncut ceremony we've ever done. But if you're like stood right in front of the lens, then there is a bit of a like, oh, you could have maybe just put your camera over the next top of that it, lens yeah. or next to. Um, and there's an argument for that. But I always set that set that expectation of don't worry if you're in my shot. 
as long as you're not on like it right in front of the lens we can and like, i guess so the one that I've, I've put in brackets underneath this talk about the reaction cam i'm going to call it yeah. in front of a couple during speeches because that's the one normally that gives me the biggest problem yeah is that there's become like a trend or I've, it doesn't, i don't think you've done it so much but other videographers where they've set a tripod up right in front of the top table yeah. with a camera literally probably on like a 50 mil just over the top of the flowers yeah. so literally you get the bride and groom in a tight frame yeah now I know other photographers which will kneel in that spot and do the same with a 35mm lens, yeah. which is equally as harmful to you as a videographer because you couldn't be at the back getting that. Yeah. But also I think in that perspective, as long as you could back that camera off a bit, because sometimes I've had, then had a chance to get no reaction shots of the bride and groom because that camera literally covers their face. Mm -hmm. Where or there could be a way where even if it was two foot back on a slightly longer lens that I'd be able to get an angle somewhere else or... yeah. No, I do understand that. Is that um, one particularly is the one I think which is the one that I almost kind of feel that the, the, the tripod hogs that spot and there's no, yeah. I can't even be on an 85 and shoot through somewhere else without getting the screen and the mic and yeah. everything else in. See, we used to do that and it really bothered me because even it would get in our shots, you know, it's, I'd, that's, I, mean, I would uh, be like, that's oh, the biggest point. Is this in your video as well? Yeah. yeah. So we used to do that and it's, it's Catch-22 actually this one because... Um, we yeah we'd put that camera at the front and we'd have like it right on the bride and groom and stuff and like it would annoy me that sometimes when people would move around i'd then have to get my own camera in the shot so now what we do is um and i knew it like wasn't great for photographers either so now what we do is we try and keep all the cameras sort of out of the way of the top table so what i have is um a camera at the back on like a 10 foot light stand on like a 100 mil or something Perfect. looking straight at yeah. the couple yeah and then like one at like the front sort of off to the side for the reactions and then i'll be as far back as possible on a on my 35 to 150 just getting the just getting the speaker at 150 or something so all of our cameras then are on the outskirts yeah is the aim basically but now we do that there's that gap has opened up so now so we the get photographer more does the go photog in it. photographer and gets yeah. to go new in it so i think it's catch 22 is um now that shot of the couple from from back there has the photographer in it a lot of the time which isn't the end of the world, but it's still the same as having the tripod in. Does that make sense? So I guess, so again, it's, it's, it's that kind of what the echoes most of this is. It's a compromise with having that conversation to say, look, I've not put my tripod there to give you a chance. Yeah. Don't be a dick and abuse <laughs> it and sit in yeah, it or yeah. camp that spot because you're blocking mm. me as well. And we can both, because I know that I shoot nearly all of my speeches on, entirely on the 85. Yeah. And I'm always like, moving because you're capturing either tight shots of bride and groom's reactions, guest reactions, the speaker. But if you come and stand in front of a speaker at 35 mil, you're blocking everybody in the room's view as well. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing, I think, with the reaction cam. If you set something up, which is an eye line to the, t to the, the bride or the groom, they're sat... That, that's the same eye line as everybody else sat in that room. So if you, if you can't see them, the camera gets a great video of it, but yeah. everybody else that wants to see their mate or sister or brother or whatever can't see their reaction either because the camera's in the way. Yeah. So it's kind of... It's, it's also remembering that whilst we're there to do a job, if we're blocking their experience of it like if you could move in get a shot and move out again that's far more temporary yeah, yeah. than having a tripod so, you know it, yeah yeah it's like when you go to a gig and you have to watch it on the tall person in front of you's phone because they film the entire thing <laughs> yeah where if you're on the, so on the table yeah. next to the top and someone's dumped a tripod in the, between you and the bride and you have to watch her reaction on the screen anyway yeah i think also correct me if i'm wrong or overstepping but i think also it's much easier for a photographer to step in and get that shot than it is for a videographer during yeah, oh, during the ceremony and speeches because we're much more mobile where yeah. for you to get that level of stability or longevity in the length of the whole speeches it's far generally you just don't want to move it, yeah. if, if you can possibly like say, avoid you, it you want to put set three cameras up on tripod leave them to record and then yeah. overview all of them rather than be gimbling around the room because yeah, yeah, that would exactly. be equally as annoying for guest, <laughs> guest <laughs> yeah. experience yeah. yeah exactly so yeah so i think that's one of those where 
I, I mean, I've had a lot of complaints from people talking about other videographers who use tripods and I, I, like, it's just going to be one of those things you have to deal with. Um, one of what I did want to say is like, I worked with a photographer the other day who approached it in like the best way possible. Um, and I'm sure she won't mind me mentioning her. Um, we turned up to this wedding. She was like, oh, you're going to have three cameras on, on, on yep. tripods or whatever. Uh, where's where they're going to be? I was like, Kate's going to be at the back of the aisle down there, pointing down. And she was like, oh, so my first kiss shot is me at the front with the guests behind the first kiss. Yep. Kate's going to be in that shot. And I was like, right, okay. So where do you want us to get that shot from? Yeah. And she was like, how about then I do the first kiss shot from the other side where Kate's camera is going to be. And if you're going to be at the front, you can just oh, run out of the way during the first kiss nice. shot. And I was like, sounds perfect. Yeah. Like just like that, it was done. It, it's really as easy as that. And I don't understand like the whole, oh, you sent out free cat. That means I can't get my shot. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, unless like, you I'll, want me to. Yeah. yeah. And I found more and more this year, particularly as long as you're in an outdoor venue or a venue that has sides yeah. so that you can get out from that space behind the registrar's table or where you are at the front and get round to the back in good time. Yeah. Which if you've done enough weddings, you know when that moment's coming is fine. And I, I yeah, find yeah. particularly at the outdoor venues that I work or even venues that's the best place for the first kiss because they've normally set up some sort of curtain or backdrop or flowers or something. Yeah. And to have the kind of the guests in between you and the couple for then for the kiss, that looks the better photo. Right. Yeah. But if you're stuck in like a, in a room where the, you know, the, the, the aisles of chairs touch the walls, yeah. that the only way to do that is to come round the table and leg it down the aisle mid ceremony <laughs> while the registrar's doing their closing yeah. words. It's really hard. I but then that's that. for me as someone doesn't use a second shooter. I so if I had a second though. shooter that was at the back, yeah. we both just move. Yeah, true. Yeah. I find the opposite. I find most photographers want to shoot it from the front now. So a lot of our back angle of the first kiss has the photographer behind. So, but neither, neither person's winning yeah. there. Whereas this photographer, when we turned up, we discussed it and we both won because we both got that exact, uh, yeah. the same shot, but like we both got a shot without each other in it because we'd communicate beforehand. And I thought it was a really nice way of dealing things, just be like, oh, um, you know, if you need to get the first kiss from there, I'll get it from there as long as you can move sort of thing. We both compromised for each other. And that was the same with uh, with her throughout the day. It was a really, really good experience. And I think that's the, that's the biggest win, yeah. isn't it? The fact that, that 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 was thought of ahead of time to have that compromise so that it wasn't uh, someone elbowing you during the ceremony going, they need to move, yeah. they need yeah. to move. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you knew it. And then as long yeah. as, again, as long as you played your part in that, like the guy that didn't for me and ran up the aisle, <laughs> it's, again, as long as everyone did as, yeah. as kind of was planned, it worked seamlessly. And I think yeah. that's probably the most encouraging thing out of all of this is that, we do have the foresight to, to make these conversations yeah, exactly. and, and make it easy that, for ourselves. The fact that we're both just yeah. as important as each other so we can, I can run out of the way so you can get your shot as long as I'm getting a shot somewhere else. Like, or also, none of, none of us are monsters. Do you know what I mean? Don't go in with that stigma of they're them and I'm me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you go yeah. in willing to collaborate, there's always compromise to be yeah. had and hopefully that person feels the same about it. And I find, and maybe I, I should be the one that changes, is that I've had enough experiences with bad vicars that I always go into that church expecting a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I always go in expecting to be told, be quiet, at the back, <laughs> no flash, like, and yeah. kind of just be shunned. Yeah, but yeah. I go in on the back foot already going, oh, please, Mr. Can I just do this? <laughs> yeah. Oh. And like, yeah. and if I maybe, and so maybe some photographers are like that towards videographers where, and then maybe if, if you turn around and pleasantly surprise them or whoever, then yeah. that would slowly break down. Or if I ended up having the point where I had more nice vicars than bad ones, I'd feel the same way about them as I feel at like I do about registrars. Where yeah, I don't, I don't even, even yeah. worry about it. Yeah. I, I think that the important thing to note is that like each of us have had bad experience of the opposite. Like I rock up 
sometimes the photographers who are clearly very defensive because they've probably recently had a bad experience with a radiographer. I completely yeah. understand that. I'd be exactly the same. Um, so like our aim is basically to win your trust throughout the day. Like I always said that this to Kate, like approach it like a new photographer and win their trust throughout the day. Cause we, I am like, I am there because, um, we are there to well, we're there to capture the same thing yeah. essentially. And if we get on, we're going to capture, capture much better stuff. So, like I've had times where yeah like I say like I've turned up and they've been a bit hostile and then like not hostile in yeah. anything in particular but you can tell like but they're just take, in their approach they'll, they'll take the address and just walk away and they'll be like oh can I like and they'll be like oh yeah I had a videographer do this and I'm like okay that how can we sort of make it so that we have a good experience together sort of I thing. think the main thing is photo and video we're not all the same yeah, yeah, not exactly. everyone's going to yeah, be horrible. Yeah. Some people are super lovely, some people aren't. You know, and yeah, it's exactly. just kind of like treating that person. Don't go in with that preconceived thing. Yeah, you yeah. know, only be, act that way if that person's like that to you, or try and break it down, or you know, work on that. Yeah. Rather than go in with this kind of set mindset, of it's going to be like this. I think one of my favorite parts of the job is working with um, with photographers, and I think that leads pretty much onto pretty much onto the next point. Actually, it does, and I'm aware that we've hit the hour already, so we might have to sort of whistle these a little bit. <laughs> okay, we dived in, so yeah. I might get a little bit more kind of quick fire. Yeah. So, um, have you done a wedding before without a photographer, where you've been the only like media like at the day? And how if did you prefer it? And what? so didn't prefer it. Have done ones, didn't prefer it. Um, the reason why is because everyone expected me to take photos <laughs> and I'm not that guy who will be like, Oh, she's not going to be really nice and take photos of the couple and send them afterwards. Because at the end of the day, like they've, they've physically decided they want video rather than photo. Yeah. I'm not going to be the one to do extra work because I'm being nice. And I know that's, that might be a little bit bad, but I'm just, no, but it's true. I guess because the guest expectation is because you're the guy with the camera, you must, they expect there to be a photographer, but they don't expect there to be, yeah. to, to, to not be, and you just be video, I guess. Like, I feel like a photographer would be offended if they turned up and the couple was like, oh, we didn't get a videographer, so you can, can you do the harlots film for us? It's like, um, so the opposite way shouldn't be true as well, I think. Yeah, um, but honestly, uh, the weddings I've done without photographers are smaller weddings, without the couple shoot, without like group shots and without like a lot of the fun stuff that we set up happening. And I feel like I would rather have the photographer there, bounce off ideas of each other, create an atmosphere and a vibe than not have it and it just be like um that's the sort of natural documentaries my yeah. stuff is half documentary but half the setup stuff and i feel like if you haven't got that set up nice stuff or well, the reason to do you know what i mean like you can go oh, i'm still gonna put some groups together just so i can get some candidates of you like waving your bouquets or having a chat because there's no need for that scenario to happen without yeah, a photographer exactly. yeah yeah so i guess that's like, yeah, that's really odd and i'm like yeah. oh let's get the bridesmaids out for a video yeah yeah especially as a, as a, as a guy to ask <laughs> six girls to go and walk out in the field you know? but the most of the time they're already there in that lineup because they've yeah. had the group shot and i'm like right now yeah, let's do something like walking yeah that's come to product of rather than you yeah. like filming the group photo I guess yeah and like I say one of my favourite things about weddings is working with a photographer I know that's a weird thing to say but but like I love that I working with a team I love that sitting down for dinner and having a chat about your life and you're like they're almost like colleagues that you don't see every day yeah. like I mean most people go to work and they see their work friends we are see, we see our work friends once a year and sit sit dinner with them or, or and you, know, you never get to choose it it's down to who the couple chooses <laughs> yeah, exactly. how often you get to work with that person as well which I find so no bad. I really enjoy working with photographers awesome so this one we kind of covered on a little bit earlier but I said here as a photographer I feel it's far easier to add more revenue streams to my business with pre-wedding shoots print sales album sales etc after you know all things attached to where I can make more money besides yeah. shooting at your wedding how and what do you guys do to boost income without shooting just shoot more weddings yeah so i think i don't i can't speak for all videographers but i think there's a lot of like oh let's throw the kitchen sink into our packages um whereas photographers 
I, th- I feel like do do it better in terms of because of how things have come along in time in yeah. terms of like selling albums and like selling individual prints and photos and things that you can buy off the gallery and it works like yes. that right yeah um, like one thing is the drone right so I get a lot of other videographers saying to me oh why do you charge extra for drone like you could just include it in all your packages and make your films look better I charge extra for drone because people buy it yeah like I get more money from it so why would I then make that free so, and I get it like my films may have an extra produ- bit of production value if I put the drone shot at the beginning of all of them but I'm upselling it I'm making more money from but it but I guess as well people then expect it if you yeah, have no, like yeah. and not all venues work for it I guess well, how would that happen then if someone said to you oh, I really want the drone there in a hotel in a city you know these same, these same people then the people were saying to me like like, oh, I did a venue the other day and the couple really wanted a drone, but it's next to an airport, so I couldn't do it. Yeah. And it's like, I wouldn't have allowed them to buy their drone extra for that to happen, so they wouldn't be expecting it at all. Whereas, like, they're 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 investing in you or booking you, expecting yeah. to have that drone because everyone else has had it. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah, drone. Um, and then also things like keepsake edits or photo edits, which is basically uncut footage, but cutting all the junk out basically okay yeah, so, so like just all the natural audio everything like that um we've probably about half or more of our more than half of our couples go for that um and that's another that really 15 10 15 another 15 percent ish on top oh. of the package price maybe is, i should try that as a photographer edit. do you want me to fish through the bin and give you all the yeah. photos i didn't edit for you i know it's just mad. wrap them up as unedited jpegs and you can sell them for money <laughs> it's, it's it's weird because um yeah, I, I, like it's like asking, like going to the a restaurant and asking the chef for whether the bits that yeah. they make it into the food. And but I do feel like because films are getting shorter and more edited now, that it doesn't. F- it, there's a disconnect from the actual what happened on the day. So if I can give them all of the stuff and make it look like the old school wedding films of just someone walking around with the camera, I feel like people have really appreciated that and it's been really popular. I think I know so. the reasons that I obviously again as we've spoken that we went Navi about kind of the reason that people have video and that idea of having audio of family members, maybe if they pass on particularly, or just that more kind of the stuff that doesn't maybe make almost like they're looking for bloopers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like I'm yeah, sure yeah. that you could probably make a bloopers reel out of funny things that happen of yeah. don't make it in. And maybe that's something else that you can offer. People kind of want stupid stuff of their friends making idiots themselves and make that as I'll like put that a, in a normal film. Cause that's my style anyway. I guess, like if yeah. someone falls over, I'll put it in. <laughs> like we did the wedding in, uh, was it March or April together? Yes. Um, and, we did that sunset shoot and the um, the bride like fell over at some point. Yes, I remember she tripped over her dress. Yeah, in the main film. I Amazing. It's, it's yeah. funny. Like, and they loved it. So, yeah, I think that's my style anyway. Um, and then things like video albums, which can be tacky, but let's be honest, like, I don't do any more because they're a bit of effort and I'm trying to streamline my processes and stuff. But you get the little video album where you open the thing that's oh, screen inside. Yeah. I used to sell them for 250 quid a pop. They're now like 50 quid to buy. It's mad. So if you, can st- if you can still sell them for 200, that's a 200 pound profit. Like, so yeah, I think there are. I think there are things. I don't think there's more things for photography that you can upsell. Apart from speeches and ceremony, videographers don't need to be on it and capturing every moment at a wedding like a photographer does. As you only need so much for a highlight film, and where it's expected from photographers to edit and provide everything. So, my first thing is like, why do you think that? What is it? What is your experience that's made you think that? Because you only need like to make a six to eight minute highlight reel. Yeah. Yeah. So you could almost in that to a degree kind of go okay well. And I assume that most of your films follow a similar format where you start with a speech of that piece over the front. If you yeah, had a drone, you'd have a drone footage of the venue to begin with. Yeah, yeah. And kind of say, not, not that you have a set timeline and everyone's went the same, but you have things that work naturally yeah, yeah, yeah. in yeah. the same way that me as a photographer knows that, oh, I do that then and do that then because that makes the day flow. Yeah. Is that the film follows kind of to a degree a thing. So if you had, say, a three-hour drinks reception... 
I, my couple would expect there to be candid or more candid in that moment than the other. Yeah. Yeah. Where if you say, I know this only makes up two minutes of the film. Yeah. If I've got six to eight clips, which are gold from that moment in the first 90 minutes. Yeah. You don't have to, you can be, you can walk around so yeah. that if something kicks off, you're ready to go, yeah. but you don't need to provide, like you say, it's not like you say like charging for keepsake edits. Yeah. It's not like you need to provide a length of film yeah. depending on how long the day is. Yeah. No, I, and I, I like, I do definitely believe there's an element of truth in, in that point that you just made. Um, because if we miss, if the videographer misses the confetti or misses the big group shot or the dad reaction in the morning, generally it's water under the bridge. Yeah. Whereas if a photographer missed the confetti or the, yeah. the, the dad reaction, it's like, that's going to be asked for at the end of it. They know I was there. Yeah. And so, it, yeah. So I do believe that there's been a couple of times, like, like literally two times I can think of where I've missed confetti because either I have had a card error at the end or, or, or like I've forgotten to press record or, or I, don't, I can't remember exactly why. doesn't get questioned because the whole video as a whole isn't, it's not a glaring it is a highlight of film. The so they just seem oh, it was it did it wasn't as much of a highlight as anything else in that film, yeah, which is why it didn't make exactly. it. Exactly. So, but I imagine if those moments are missed on photo, it's it's criticised a bit. And the reason I wanted to come back to this point um, in particular and not skip it is because I do think there's videographers. I do see posts in the Facebook group like, "Oh, I've missed this. Can you help me?" There's a couple going to be annoyed, and I just want to say I don't. The majority of time, unless you've missed a significant portion of the day, the, the couple is not going <laughs> yeah. to notice or care. Yeah, that you've missed something, and I like I I think that is only for video that you can get away with missing something. I know a videographer that shoots the the confetti shot in or shoots any shot in any way he wants to. Do. So essentially, like the confetti shot might just be a hand throwing something confetti in like a silhouette of the bride and groom. Whereas I don't think you would get away with just delivering that as the no. confetti shot for photo. Not at all. And I, I wouldn't do it for video personally, but I think that for photo, you need the whole frame to be like couple people throwing confetti. You wouldn't get away with just doing like a hand of, in slow-mo no. throwing confetti. No, like I'll find that. Like a prime example for that would be the ring exchange. Yeah. So I always like to get, I have a thing about hands. I photograph hands a lot of weddings with tight shots of hands. Yeah. So, but I couldn't get away with in a ceremony. I don't feel I could anyway. Literally just providing two or three frames of someone's hand sliding a ring on someone else's hand. You still need that pullback shot of them forcing the ring on or, or saying something whilst holding the ring. So that ties those hands to that and the story Very goes true. on. Yeah, yeah. Where have you in a thing, as long as you've got the words over the top of them going, I give you this ring, the, the, the close shot, yeah. the hand going on, tick, 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 it's Sorted. done. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, yeah, so I definitely agree with that. Um, on the other hand, though, I don't think that videographers approach, most videographers don't approach a wedding thinking, oh, if I miss this, then it's not the end of the world. Yeah. But I do think that on the day now, if I miss something, I don't really worry about it yeah. because I'm like, well, I've done everything I can in order to capture that. If it hasn't worked out, it hasn't worked out. Sometimes I say to the bride, look, I can either go and get your guests down there who are all arriving or I can wait for you to get your dress because you're late and I'll give them the option and... And most of the time, it's absolutely fine. So yeah, I do think we can probably get away with... Yeah, I think I hadn't things. really considered this until I worked. It must have been a couple of years ago now. I worked with a, a videographer and I won't name names. And he was an associate. He was shooting for somebody else. So he very much had a like a timeline of the day, but he also had a timeline of the film. And okay. more or less, the photographer he was associating for was more or less like, I need these in these clips. I need like two to three minutes of candidates for this. I need this much of the speeches yeah. or like this much for whatever. So when we got to that lull in the evening, it was like, I was like, are you not going to stay for like... Dances, I don't need to have got, I've got what I need. Those yeah. three dances gave me enough. I've got, let's say, these eight clips of people yeah. doing stuff. And good enough. I need that. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, that's it. And, and I... it was purely shot for the edit. There was no like, so if he'd left mm. and then like, you know, the groomsman had rushed the dance and was like chucking the groom in the air with his yeah, tie head later, yeah. it yeah. wouldn't have been in the film, but he was, I oh, know, I've got my six to eight of dancing. Done. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I mean, 
I feel like I do that, but in not not such a a big way. Does that does that make yeah. sense? So I'm thinking about how I'm editing the film as I'm filming it. Which I guess you and have to. There's, there's photographers who obviously want to stay till like half 10, 11 o'clock to make sure they get all the, all the dancing. But I'm thinking there's not more length left in the film for me to get. So what I'm going to be doing is replacing these dancing shots from the songs after the first dance with some maybe a little bit more drunk and crazy ones afterwards. Yeah. But it's not really going to affect the dynamic of the film or the story. Therefore, I don't really need to stay till 11. I guess the only way that that would happen is if you had a, a couple, I guess... That and you'd have to charge accordingly for this in the same way that I feel that photographers that stay much more after sunset need to charge for being around at that that, yeah. that, that late into the evening. Um, let's I say mean, you, this you, year I've been I've had a habit of staying for sunset, but but yeah. if you had a couple that said to you, I'm going to book a keepsake edit. Yeah, from the beginning, I want that keepsake edit. I want the long footage. I want the footage. Yeah, I want you to stay. Yeah. So we do have we have had a couple of couples, but the keepsake edit before the wedding. Yeah, but we won't. Doesn't nothing changes. Or they set, or they set some expectation if they were they were looking for that. With oh, that, what for? They stay were for looking longer. for you to stay for longer to cover. If they knew their dance floor was going to kick off, it's uh, an upsell. So yeah. we, we charge per hour after after half an hour after the first dance Perfect. is per hour. Yeah. yeah. So um, we've got one coming up, which is they've hired us for two hours after the first dance, and I always recommend people don't because I'm like they don't need it, but they wanted it, so. I guess the, the conversations we had back in our I don't know what number it is so don't ask me but <laughs> the, the evening wedding um, yeah. you know prepping for an evening wedding I think in the summer unless you were staying late for fireworks or sparklers or something I would yeah. agree that's probably a waste of time because not many people on the dance floor but if you yeah. were an October wedding and you had a band or sax player or something going on in that yeah. there would be plenty for you to cover in the evening but again if it's how much of it you're going to use if they've only booked exactly. you for an eight minute yeah. highlight film I guess yeah, yeah. So some people literally like, oh, we'll pay for an extra hour or two after the because uh, we want some of the dancing stuff. And I say, look at all of my portfolio. No one here has paid me extra. These are all songs that happen straight after. Yeah. If you can lead by example and drag everyone onto the dance floor, you're not going to need to pay me extra. And I know this is like not up, this is like downselling. It's the opposite of business. But I want to be honest with them and be like, yeah. most of the footage ain't going to be in it. Anyway. Well, deep down, if you are shooting a volume of weddings where you're doing back to backs or you're out most weekends, you don't want to be there till yeah. You know, you, well, you, yeah. physically, if you're going to shoot weddings across the UK, you can't finish in Yorkshire at eleven o'clock and be shooting in Surrey yeah. at nine o'clock the next morning. Not without taking kind of you know yeah. care of yourself. So if, if you know that you need X amount of weddings and that relies on you doing doubles to get yourself away at sensible time with not that much of an impact to the couple's overall film, yeah. Why would you push yourself to work 13, 14 hour days when the outcome is very similar to very you working similar. at 10 to 12? Yeah. There are times where I, I do think I'd, oh, I'd have benefited from staying longer. Like the other day, I think the moment I left, everyone left the dance floor, put on like cowboy hats and all stuff like that and, and, and came back on and it was a crazy party. This is the curse of leaving. Yeah, it's I know. the curse yeah, of leaving. The sofa's still there. So. Like, I always feel that if nothing's happened on the dance floor, the best thing I can do is pack up. As soon as yeah. my flash has come off my camera and I've put a lens cap on... You can guarantee there's going to be... Guarantee yeah. that the, the groom makes a beeline for his mum and drags her onto the dance floor or something starts going off. The second that I've walked away from the dance floor and start to pack up, and I've yeah. had weddings in the past where I've tried to pack up on multiple occasions because I've always gone, I need to capture that and run back to it. And then yeah. it's gone dead again. Straight after that moment, it's gone 100%. dead. All but some I've got a flashback on my camera and the lens cap, I've got back to the dance floor, the moment's passed. And then you try and pack up again and something else happens. <laughs> yeah. And so I think sometimes it's I've been more decisive Some, in going, sometimes I'm one done. Of those, yeah. I've got enough. Yeah. I've got enough. 
go take your gear away in another room so you can't see what you're missing out I, on. I saw all those people coming back with cowboy hats yeah. when I was in the car park and I had, had my bags in my hand. I was like, do you know what? But did it, it cross your mind? Yeah, 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 it did cross my mind. <laughs> but you could be there all night if you end up doing that kind of okay, thing. Okay, so we'll get to this last point now then. So videography relies so much more on the quality of gear than you use than photo does. Uh, yes, I do believe so. I, I think that... I think that photo specs in cameras have now matured to the point where if you buy a camera, a decent camera, you're like in five years time, I don't think there's going to be anything spectacular more yeah. than that. Basically, I think most cameras do a very, very good job. You use a six year old camera. It, does a, crack, do. it yeah. does a cracking job. And I don't think that you need to upgrade anytime soon, to be honest. I don't intend to either. As soon as it breaks, I'll probably buy the same one that I had before. For me, yeah. I, yeah, again, without getting too techie, I use a7 three still. Yeah. The one, what the, my, my number one camera that I'm using is still the original one that I got on pre-order. It is well over the shutter yeah. life that's recommended. Um, it, it's showing all the light the, like the sign that it, it does it's seen things that camera um, it's got it's got more bare metal on it than yeah. that has black paint left on it but it is still an absolute workhorse yeah. to me whereas I think the, the rate that video specs are increasing is faster so there's much more of an expectation to upgrade your gear um, not just for quality reasons obviously we've just got 4k at 10 bit and 50 frames a second everything like that in 2020 with the a7s3 but also for quality of life like stabilization is increasing. So as stabilization gets better, that negates the need for a gimbal in some scenarios. Therefore, it makes the user experience a lot easier because I want to get rid of the gimbal. So as that gets better. So yeah, I believe there's a there's definitely more of a, if you go more expensive, you definitely get better stuff. Whereas for photo, you can, st you can sort of start relatively cheaper yeah. and still get some good stuff out of it. I think he jumps into that point of entry, like we were saying earlier, with other things that the point of entry for photography is definitely lower, I think, or yeah. for you to establish yourself at a certain price with, you know, even even just entering videography, having to buy three tripods, you know, like lights, yeah. light stands, mics, cameras, lens, all of that stuff. Yeah, that was what I was getting, yeah. It's far more than, and, you know, yeah. let's say you could you could go to your local secondhand camera shop, buy two cameras, two lenses and a flash and you're, yeah. you're pretty much set. I'm so jealous of photographers. I rock up with like my massive backpack with like my seven lenses, three cameras, <laughs> all of this, like massive tripod bag, two light stands, three tripods, a monopod, and then a gimbal bag and a this. And a photographer sometimes doesn't even have a bag. Like I've worked with photographers recently, don't have a bag. They literally have the two lenses, like the two cameras on, with lenses on there. There was track. definitely a point, I think, this summer where my cool bag was bigger than my camera bag. <laughs> <laughs> I was bringing more snacks That's and drinks. That's what you know you're doing it well. <laughs> to a wedding, just to keep myself in good order and hydrated than the amount of camera gear that I was bring up it's definitely true yeah but yeah i think i think being being i think there's more expectation to spend more money as a videographer for not only not just for quality reasons i think you can make a great film with an old like a6500 which is probably like 700 quid now and a good lens but i think if you want to make the best of the best then there's going to be um a lot more quality difference as you start going up the price ranges whereas i do believe you can probably buy an a6500 take similar photos to what you take with the a7 III. um I guess is there's a balance then, you know, like where the the equipment that you would buy would be go more in making your life easier or the, in the, yeah. negate yeah. the use of other things at a lower point. Yeah. Where with photography, it's it's over a want rather than a need. Yeah. But I can upgrade on my 1.8s to 1.4s and it might make my life a little bit. How much would the couple actually know the difference yeah. for the spend on it? Like, why would I spend three grand to upgrade my two lenses? Yeah. Does it, is that's not going to directly add, it's not going to save me three grand worth of time yeah. or make my galleries three grand nicer there's this whole thing with video like oh you know when you go to buy something people will say to me oh why are you buying that for it's not going to make you a better filmmaker yeah. or something it's like 
No, but I enjoy my job a lot more using it. I bought a gimbal that when I press the lock button, it folds and automatically locks itself. That's a great quality of life improvement because now I never need to like switch That's every I mean, single if you're lock every time. I'm... Two or three minutes balancing that thing, you know, say four times yeah. on a day, you do that every day. If you add all those times up and then put a cost on your time, you are definitely saving money and doing that or making your life yeah, easier. Balancing is, is slightly different, but you you are spending, I mean, it's time like unlocking it and stuff. And I, I don't know. It's just quality of life. It's just quite a gimbal. Let's be honest about yeah. it. You just got to spend it. <laughs> I will never like. I'll never need anything else more than that now. And that's that's what like, I think. That's the good point to get Until to is when the next get... thing comes out. Yeah, true, yeah. <laughs> when it can balance itself, then I'll yeah. definitely buy it. Um, but no, I yeah, I think you can. I think you can spend money to improve your own experience of your job, and I think that's that's a good place to round that. I think so. Like, I feel like we've yeah. I feel, like we've, I feel like we've gone the distance with it, but yeah. I feel like there's been some. There's been some really good points in there. Some really good kind of, yeah, myths busted, truths told. and I've really enjoyed that. It's good to like, I feel like there's a lot of photographers that, that no, sorry. There's a lot of videographers that listen to photography podcasts and are in photography groups. I don't know how, I don't see a lot of photographers hanging around in videography groups, checking out how they work. So it's really nice to give my opinion on, or like, you know, yeah. to say our, our You've bit, given the videographers I mean, of a nation a voice, a voice. on the podcast. <laughs> well, yeah. that sounds big-headed as, as hell. But, right. yeah, but, it's true though, but uh, <laughs> yeah. like, like you said, when we did the other flip of it, and yeah. I said I felt that I was going to have photographers come after me and yeah. be kind yeah. of, oh, you know, you're speaking on behalf of us. You've done the same today, but I feel like there's there's probably more videographers who think like you than don't. Yeah, so if yeah. you can kind of Definitely. use the things that bother you or, or use the platform that you've had in this to kind of make that easier, yeah. I'd like to think that when other videographers rock up to weddings, going forward that conversation of oh where should we go to do the couple shoot or oh do you yeah you, know, you want to have some input yeah, yeah. rather than follow yeah. me son this, this is, you <laughs> this fall is, in yeah, that's yeah. how we're going to go and if they, and if these conversations can make that happen then i definitely feel that we're doing a good job on the pod yeah definitely and i've really enjoyed it so good stuff well yeah so that hopefully really next good. time we're going to be away from kind of theory again and talking about managing workload um throughout the busy season and so that'll come out in the next one yeah exactly i mean we both um as i walked in the door today we both went yeah so i'm looking forward to talking about that in the next episode um but first mill deal is cool then it's, it's, it's cool and yeah that's it so we will see you in the next episode see you in the next episode